0: This is an RNZ podcast. They say it takes a village to raise a child. I'm Catherine Ryan, and here we draw on my conversations with experts on 9 to Noon to help you navigate family life. Well, it's certainly been a challenging school term which ends tomorrow, though it won't be much of a holiday for families in Level 3. So how well are students weathering the disruption to classroom-based learning, away from their friends and peers? Massey University's research on learning from home shows children are in fact experiencing some rich learning, while the Educational Review Office's latest report suggests ongoing issues for students include anxiety around returning to school, missing out on learning and attendance. So for teachers and parents, uh, how can they support children at this time, uh, how can all of us support them? Mohamed Alansari is Senior Researcher at the New Zealand Council for Educational Research. Kia ora, Mohamed, welcome. Kia ora, Kiffin. how are you? You good? I'm really well, thanks, and feeling very fortunate every day, I must admit, but uh, for Tamaki makaro in, partic- in particular, um, this is just one of the many things people are grappling with, not only trying to uh, help the kids with learning, but, you know, just the whole impact that's having on their own lives when the kids would normally be mm. at school. What kind of research or information are we getting about the different experiences?
1: Well, that's a, that's what I wanted to start with. I'm glad you actually said that, that I feel also for Tamaki Makaurau because... I just want to give a shout out to all schools, parents and final out there for how we handled the second wave of lockdown, because the biggest question that we've had the back of our minds as an education system is, did we learn much from the first lockdown? Are schools handling it better? How are parents coping, et cetera? And spoiler alert, we're actually doing good. There's a lot of research from NZCR and from Massey and from ERA and other places that shows that schools have gone above and beyond, just to make sure that kids' learning isn't compromised, just to make sure that they're still getting heaps of support while learning from home. And you see that actually reflected in the recent ERA report, where it showed that effects of COVID, the second lockdown on learning was minimal, or at least kept to minimum. And that's again, kudos to the parents, kudos to the teachers. What's complementary to that is that recent research report that both Massey and NZCI have published recently. uh, uh, They've explored how kids were learning from home and what are some of the things that kids say about learning from home. And it was really, really heartwarming, Catherine. Um, Kids said things like they enjoyed getting to know the parents in a different way. They've enjoyed learning that was authentic, um, learning through creative ways all of the learning was really relevant to who they are as people, you know, as part of their funnel. It was situated within what they were also keen on learning from and interested in learning. So it was really, really good to see that. And so unlike overseas studies that showed that learning was not taking place as much as, as they wanted to overseas, we're actually not finding that in New Zealand. That's actually really good. And it speaks volumes of how much work we've been putting. Um, just recently actually I was looking at the magazine, um the principal magazine, the September issue, and they've released two case studies, um, one from an Auckland school and one from a Palmerston North school, and they were talking about what was different in the second lockdown, and they spoke heaps about relationships between schools and and parents and whānau, strong line of communication, strong leadership that drove and supported change. It was really, really heartwarming to see. And it was really good that principals started sharing success stories as well as parents sharing those success stories. That was really nice.
0: Can we look a little bit more in detail at the two and just get a little bit more granular, because I know mm-hmm. this might. I know. I know there's a lot of reassurance to be given, but there's also obviously questions that people have. In the Aero report, how specific did they get? They found that learning disruptions were minimal to NCEA. We also know the government has mm-hmm. brought in some of the credit kind of um, um, extras you can have to uh, to um, acknowledge the di- disruption. But did they get any more specific?
1: Oh, I can't. Um, one of the other things that they measured in, in that or they talk about in that error report is kids' perceptions of whether they can keep up with the learning from home. Right. And it's and seems like there are some positive levels or, or good groups of students who said, yep, they can keep up. It was a high proportion. I can't think of the exact number, but it was a high proportion of kids who said that they can keep up with the learning from home, where they found some signals that we need to do more support and more work is what was around kids and... in in the Auckland region as well as in the lower decile schools. And so they they, they flag that there needs to be more support and we need to talk more about how can we support kids uh, who are learning from those areas. And
0: we know, of course, the whole question of access to digital devices and uh, particularly... Uh, you know, having more than one in a household, possibly where there may be more than one child, we know that's that it, there is an inequality in how people are quoting that's built in. And can we also just stay yeah. with the arrow for a moment. Some ongoing issues are, including anxiety around returning to school, missing out on <clears throat> learning and attendance. They're, they're sort of counterintuitive in some ways. They they fear <clears throat> they're missing out on learning, but equally they're kind of anxious about going back to school. And, can yeah. we can we sort of hypothesise on what that might be about? Not necessarily fear of catching COVID, but rather just that when you've had a break from anything, you know, we've had a break from the workforce or anything, it mm. feels like your first day of school again, doesn't it?
1: Yes, absolutely. I was actually thinking about the same thing, even as grown-ups, um, after being at home in Level 4 lockdown, going back to work. Um, a lot of us were actually anxious you know where do I sit who do I touch what do I wipe what you know so so I think it's it's really psychological which is why it's, it's important for both parents and teachers to have good conversations about those things and to reassure kids that it's actually expected and normal to feel anxious when going back to school and to have conversations about why might that be and what might what might they go on about and what You know, those kind of conversations, I think, would actually help with things like that.
0: The other thing is expectation, and this is where we might come to NZCR and Massey University's research, because, again, Mm. I think the fear of parents is it's almost... Inevitable that their kids will be, quote, falling behind. The irony is that all, <laughs> all kids in the same city, anyway, are in the same boat. Yeah. And at different times, all kids in the country have been in the same boat. So, Ken, yeah. it comes to this gap between the expectation of what you can achieve as a parent educating at home. You, you're not there to replace the classroom teacher, but, no, that's but right. you still don't want your child to fall behind how they should be tracking. What is it you need to focus on? to satisfy yourself that actually things are going pretty well?
1: Um, Ongoing communication between parents and schools would help, but also reassurance from schools, the other way to parents, letting them know that what is happening at home is still rich learning experiences. Uh, There's this assumption that if kids are out of school that they're not learning, they're not growing which is actually not true, particularly in New Zealand, where we've made sure that our curriculum, our key competencies, our assessment practices, our syllabus are are making sure that there are seamless transitions and connections between what happens at school and what happens at home. And sometimes just to manage parent expectations, but also the anxiety around, you know, their parents and, and whether they're doing good at home, is to just have conversations about these and to have the reassurance that what happens at home is good learning and counts and will support what kids do when they get back to school. I think that's an important conversation to be had as well.
0: It's a great irony that often there's criticisms that we overcramp the curriculum and that we over kids. And it was it was interesting the interview we had with the forty seven year career teacher last week, and we forget that particularly with younger children, but actually at all ages, play and creativity and artistic work and imagination and all those things are in their <laughs> yes. own form learning. Okay, they're not necessarily. Ticking the box, although they may it may surprise you that they may be able to tick a box in in whatever's being explored in the curriculum at the time, but they are learning.
1: Absolutely, I mean conversations um, between us and Aldefano, thats learning. Cooking at home with your parents—that's learning. Being in the garden with your kids, with your kids, with your sisters and siblings—that is learning. Um, thinking about what's being showcased on TV and talking about what it means—that's learning. You know, and all of it feeds back into kids' growth and development over time. Absolutely.
0: Some parents will worry that someone's falling behind on reading or they're falling behind on this or they're falling behind on that, and that may well be the case for children who uh, perhaps are finding a certain subject or area, a struggle anyway. What reassurance? Well,
1: Again, I would I would I would I would really encourage parents to talk about additional support that they can access or I- additional strategies to support the kids to learn to read or just work on the reading practices at home and to, to kind of keep an open line of communication between them and schools. The chances are if the parent is concerned at a child's reading level, either the school knows already and in which case they will have support in place or really they should know. So then you should flag those kinds of messages. One of the things that I was um, I was reading about the other day about the school is they've opened this forum where parents could go online and log in, really, some of the concerns, the academic or learning support concerns they have. But what was really interesting is that not only teachers were responding, but other parents were also responding and saying, actually, my child so-and-so is going through the same thing, and this is what I tried, and this is how it worked. And so, again, having that um, that Type of forum where parents can voice these concerns and ask for strategies from others. I think that's key to 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 kind of yeah give them the tools that they need to support the kids at home.
0: What are some of those initiatives? You've got some schools you may have just mentioned it um, that, as you say, learned from the first lockdown and did adapt. How did they adapt when it came to the second one? Was it primarily about communication, or was it about something else they did to perhaps set different expectations? What changed?
1: Um, oh, a lot of things, Catherine. <laughs> but one of the things in terms of communication, for example, is that the first lockdown, some schools were reporting that they've just started to use things like Facebook private groups and online learning management systems and what have you. This lockdown, we're getting a lot of schools who are saying most of our parents are signed up to our online social media private groups and they're really, really engaged. So in terms of communication, there's that. A lot of principals have increased the the the, the, the types of, of the new Newsletters or the email updates that they send out to their parents a lot of parents now have group newsletters where they send with each other and they have their own kind of lines of communication where they stay in touch in terms of designing lesson plans we've also heard that teachers now started sharing templates and different ideas for how much you create lesson plans that are easy to follow for parents how and, and they started giving examples for some of the and testing and assessment and formal assessment kind of practices that parents could engage in at home um you know and so they're just just small stuff we also hear a lot about strong leadership where leaders are available just in time to provide support where they move resources and move people in time not only to support children or parents but also for staff to support each other which was really good to see as well so there's a lot of change and it seems like schools have really taken on board the learning and the reflection from. From, from the first lockdown and they've implemented it here. And again, I'm actually quite happy to see that not a lot of, of data that we have at a national level shows severe impacts, negative impacts on kids' learning in the same way that we see overseas. So that's also another good thing.
0: That's all good to hear. Uh, someone's just emailed in, hugely impressed by Sacred Heart College this lockdown, the pastoral care has been brilliant there's a few Sacred Heart colleges around the place but um, yes. uh, whichever one it is and hopefully all of them, uh, great to hear that feedback <laughs> from parents, uh, this one's interesting though, my kid is hating learning from home, no mates, hard to keep structure, year 10, now that is an issue uh, mm. particularly for some students that structure and routine again, do you sometimes just need to amend your expectations Interesting the kid him or herself is saying however um mm. not enjoying the process
1: you know, yeah i i hear go on sorry
0: i was going to say it's not even you don't even necessarily expect people will enjoy it it's more how's it going no. is, are we making the best of it isn't
1: it <laughs> that's exactly how do i maximize given that this is a pandemic things aren't meant to be rosy in a pandemic so we're trying to maximize we're trying to get the best um all things considered and so um carol much from the university of auckland actually provides really nice guidelines to, to for parents um, to talk about events that are stressful or traumatic And one of the things that she talks about often is to have open conversation with your child, where they can also set not just realistic expectations for what will happen at home, but also kind expectations. And I really like that concept. We've got to set kind expectations and to remind each other that maybe things aren't rosy right now, but let's see what we can make the most out of it to make sure that teaching and learning continues, that that growth continues.
0: This is a great question, but we might have to come back to it another time, actually, and you might have some more research on it by then this person says mm. can you ask what findings there have been around learning shame during lockdown learning shame i wonder if that's to do with self-perception or self-concept as a learner does that make sense i think that's what they're getting
1: uh, at I, I i i think one of the um, I'll, I'll, I'll flip it the other way around just to be strength based here really one of the important things that we should do at home is to make sure to reinforce to kids that they're doing well against uh,
0: the I see, I see. Something.
1: You see what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And, and so when they encounter good learning experiences at home, we've got to reassure them and show them that things can work out. It's a different setting, but things are going well. They've done it, they've mastered it. Let us focus on what's going well and keep that route, as opposed to that, that I'm just using that same term, that learning shame. It shouldn't be about that. It shouldn't be about shame. Um, it's about growth, it's about improvement, and it's about making the most out of what we have.
0: Um, a wonderful uh, example has come in from Te Aumarama School. It's actually come from a teacher, a high school teacher, who might be a grandparent, I think, of a child at this school. But they've set out this wonderful uh, piece, and it talks. they've got photos of learners and staff engaged in various sort of supports and Facebook posts and things. And, and then it says, mm-hmm. if, um, you know, people may worry and are worrying about their children falling behind, but... It's just flipped everything. It says, yes, they may fall behind when it comes to what they would have been, quote, learning at school, but let's change our mindset and look at some of the benefits of learning from home. What if, instead of falling behind, they're actually advantaged because of this, they have more empathy, they enjoy family connection, they can be more creative and entertain themselves, they love to read, they love to express themselves in writing. What if they enjoy the simple things, like their own backyard and sitting near a window in the quiet? Notice the birds and dates. What if this generation are the ones to learn to cook, organise their space, do their washing and help keep the home tidy? And it goes on and on. What if among these children great leaders, artists, musicians, entrepreneurs, inventors, writers emerged because they had the benefit of a slower pace and a simple, simpler life to truly learn what really matters in this life? Well, wonderful wow. communication there. Thank you, al Alansari, Senior Researcher at New Zealand Council for Educational Research.